Alma Pictures and Baker Street Media present Second Z's Cubed with your hosts, Ayla Hadi, Allison Weaver, and Johnny Pinea. Second Z's Cubed is a technical podcast dedicated to critiquing and celebrating performing arts and inspiring the next generation of creatives. Welcome back to another episode of Second Z's. And we are really excited to bring another episode to you again. And um, recording this today with myself and Miss Aya. And we are not joined by Johnny today due to, of course, load shedding in South Africa. But if their power comes back, we will be seeing dear Johnny again and you will be hearing him um, at that time so with that being said where we are going today is to dr congo and our category today is theater um and this one we have today is cetate de macronet and um, this is actually puppet theater, traditional puppet theater from DR Congo. And it's what I would call a national treasure because it's children's theater. And I love children's theater because it's Yay. how a lot of people get exposed to art. So this one, this episode is pretty much kids friendly. Um, so parents out there, this is a kids friendly episode for at least the first half. So if you want to let your kids listen to this, that's totally approved. So um, we will talk a little bit about Teatro de Macronet and um, this little story, which even though um, you may or may not know French, dear audience, uh, this is a story that you can follow because it is having a lot to do with wooden wooden people and wooden props. And those help tell the story even for young kids to understand. So um, this is a fun one. If you want to watch it, we'll link it to you as well. So without further ado, we got to get started to chat about this piece. So I think maybe we could start with a little background information about the DR Congo. Um, and like I said, we're not going to, we are talking more about spaces and less about places. So when I say a country, I'm meaning where the space or the place or the culture is located at. Um, now, of course, we know that there are some places and spaces that are disputed. So um, please, audience will forgive me if I ever mistake the name of the place or the ownership of the place. So please excuse me in advance. Um, so what we can say about the Congo is a lot of times um, people don't realize how rich of a culture it is and how beautiful it is as a place. Um, it was formerly a French holding, um, and it has a very rich and deep history and deep culture. And art is a really big thing for them. 
Now, unfortunately, you don't usually see very much good press about this, but um, for, for many years, you didn't see very much good press about DR Congo. But um, DR Congo has a lot of really cool history and actually uh, some really interesting um, kingdoms of the past were in Congo. And um, so the history is really interesting. And the folklore has a lot of really cool folk stories. And this particular piece is a folk story uh, with one grandmother and her grandchildren. And she's telling this folk story to her grandkids. So this is a way um, of the oral tradition being passed down through puppetry years and years and years and years later after the original story. Um, and it always, and it has a moral as well, um, which is cool. So each story has a little moral. It teaches the, the kids something and it's a way to um, give more of the cultural heritage of the place. So it's, it's giving this demo sense of cultural heritage. It's keeping the culture alive, even though it's not in the original folk language, uh, it's in French. So it's pretty accessible to everybody in the, that culture right now. Um, unfortunately, that's the other thing I wanted to mention is that a lot of the folk languages are dying out. Um, so if anyone has the folk story, this story in the original language, please send to me because somehow by um, probably you can just message inside of the podcast chat. Um, that's also possible. So that's kind of what I wanted to start with. Um, and I also want to say that it's very minimal lighting, very minimal staging, but it really gives a sense of like quality, even though it's such a small theater, small space. And I do enjoy that aspect. So, um, yeah, these are just some introductory things. And they also use like use of fire, use of um, different props to tell a simple story in a way that that you can understand, even if you're just looking at the body language of the of the characters, you can get the feeling of what's behind it. And then they also like the some of the local music that they will have to transition scenes and especially um, percussion instruments. So this is a basic introduction. So I'll just share some of your thoughts about it. Um, and then um, I can give you some more, like we can talk some more about this and the culture there. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, I think you already gave so much great insight, especially from like a technical perspective on the video. First off, um, I didn't know what to expect when I first clicked on it. Um, but when I did, I, f it was, I felt like I was transported immediately. Um, it kind of drew me in, sucked me in right away through things that you mentioned, like the lighting, I noticed the lighting. I was like, I enjoy the lighting, the use of the shadows and the darkness and the fire to kind of create this interesting visual effect, very simple, but effective. And I noticed the music immediately. It was very comforting to me. I, um, I felt like enveloped 
<laughs> in this serenity right away. Um, so uh, immediately, like I said, I was drawn in and um, it was just a very atmospheric experience, despite the fact that it's a pretty simple setup. And then um, going through that video, I was immediately struck with something that you had mentioned in the beginning. I felt like this is definitely something that you can watch with small children, enjoy it together, um, despite the whole language barrier, because um, the puppeteers did such a great job. I felt with like the voice acting, the intonation, um, that type of thing, it captured my interest and kept my interest at a level despite me having to reply i'm sorry to rely on the auto translate feature on youtube which let me just tell you is not the best but you know i could uh there was something about um okra and just yeah as they're talking about the, the history of the country um and the ancestors a lot mm-hmm. yeah and there was a lot of wisdom being shared from the grandmother. Um, mm -hmm. I felt like it was a great continuation of this common thread that we have been discussing for the past few weeks, which is like the importance of like oral tradition, um, mm -hmm. family gatherings, the sharing of stories and histories in that way, though it's done differently in other areas, but it's just continuing that thread of discussion very nicely in my mm -hmm. opinion so like I said even though I was just relying on the auto translates just to give me a vague idea of what was going mm -hmm. on um the uh, the intonation of the puppeteers kept my interest grounded and the grandmother right away like she she really drew me in she felt like a standing grandmother um that you could find everywhere um and then when they moved into her giving pearls of wisdom because from right, what she gave I lots of advice uh -huh. she, yeah she gave lots of advice even if like from, i don't agree with all of it but i'm like this just very much feels like what my grandmother would have told me or like other aunties would have told me like it feels um something that isn't specific within one set of borders it's universal that experience of sitting down and listening to listening to an elder imparting the wisdom that they have garnered throughout the years um i felt it was even though something specific to the culture of uh dr congo um it was a universal experience um the boys also were funny with like there, yeah. like what do you mean with about this and yeah, yeah. Um, even like the yeah the movement of the puppets themselves were interesting I wasn't used to this type of puppetry before you know usually like you kind of associate it with like marionettes and um like more I think painted faces but these are like um more reliant on carving wood at least from what I noticed yeah, definitely and then, wood. Like, moving yeah. all of yeah moving all of the limbs um with your hands as opposed to like string um so it was like each movement was deliberate and like needed a lot of 
coordination from almost everyone on, on hand, especially when like the grandma came in with her flame. I was so nervous that whole time. I'm like, is she going to catch fire? I mean, <laughs> the grandma blew up. <laughs> like I'm, I'm so accident prone. I'm like, is something going to catch on fire before she gets to sit down? Um, so just honestly, everything together was really wonderful. And I can't wait to share it with the children in my life because I feel like despite the language barrier, they're going to enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. Just very wholesome um, and just a lovely, lovely experience. I'm very grateful to have had that opportunity. That's great. Yeah, one thing I will say, like the 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 society is like like you know, it's a very maternal society. So the grandma is the matriarch, right, of the family, and uh, there's mm-hmm. like this respect that you have for for her as the matriarch, and uh, that's what I think is something really cool too. Is like you can see how how the society works. Uh, you can tell that there's like this huge emphasis on the, your role, who your role in the culture, like your 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 rank, like your role, but also the elders are so um, they're so they're so how to say this in English? Uh, they're so mm, they're so they're so caring about the next generation. They want to make sure mm-hmm. that the stories, that the history comes down to the next generation and that everyone understands what uh what is the 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 reason why what happened to Congo, what is the history, what are some pearls of wisdom. And I think that's really, really quite nice to to hear that and to to have such a refreshing little story is just nice. It was only 11 minutes, but it just, you just can, can enter the world like you're saying. And so mm-hmm. I think that that's a really cool, um, a cool take on Congo as a country. And I, I mean, DR Congo, I should say, please excuse me. Um, and, the uh, and the, the heritage of that place, um, and that yeah. location. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, Going back to what I feel just based off of that video and my limited research um, on the country, family is very much integral to the society as a functioning unit. Um, and that family is not like the, the nuclear family. It extends to different generation and all generations benefit from each other and learn from each other. And, um, there's always that sense, like you had touched on the importance of sharing your history and your family's history to the next generation and keeping that history alive. Um, even, you know, if it is passed down orally, um, as opposed to a written history, that oral tradition keeps the story of your family, of your tribe, of your country alive. Um, and yeah, it definitely like tethers, um, and grounds, the youth and the next generation to the reality of who they are. 
Um, because a lot of times when you do lose that history and that connection, you can become unmoored. Um, Mm -hmm. that knowledge helps ground you. Yeah. And there's people that don't really focus on their family history that much until that generation Mm -hmm. is gone. And then there's this like regret that they don't know Mm -hmm. about themselves or, or their, uh, you know, they're who they are really as far as the where they came from. And I think that's yeah. kind of and you know, a lot yeah. of people there don't have as high of education. So of course it's oral. And that's really neat to see that it doesn't make it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a high education or a low education, you can still choose to share your story and with in a in a way that the younger ones can understand and enjoy. I think that's beautiful. Mm, Yeah. Um, And when you bring in the whole family to that history, so let's say that, I don't know, one parent wasn't really that invested in Mm. their history and their kids want to learn it's okay. The kids don't need to rely on that one parent. They have their parents, siblings, their cousins, their aunts. It's a whole big circle and not for them to get that knowledge from. Um, so Mm -hmm. that, yeah, I, I felt like the, um, puppet really kind of, highlighted that in a really lovely way um just very warm I feel like that's Mm -hmm. kind of the word to describe the experience for me um there was a definite warmth to that video um despite you know like it's not doesn't seem to be like complex uh props and lighting and things like that but um i think it's the simplicity that draws you in and gives you that comfort and warmth um yeah. so, so by the end of it i felt real cozy yeah sorry so easy to put on you just need a candle yeah yeah a candle <laughs> and a couple of logs like of it. wood mm-hmm. and now i know when i want to tell a story i i can just Put my arms out wide like this, like that. <laughs> just gonna recreate the the motions of of the grandma. Nice, <laughs> you should. And your little your little nieces and nephews and the little the little love will love this. Yeah, I definitely got some tips. But grandma, what what else do you have to say? What happened? Yeah, to the this? little voices. Yeah, my. My mom would tell us stories like using her her way, but my dad was like a more of an actor storyteller kind of person, and he still um, is the way. But uh, he will have lots of different voices that he would use to tell all the. So we would get that's like, where you got it from. Yes, that's where I got lots of voices. Like we would, because he would give every little voice. Everything had a tone. Um, and he's also the reason why I know how to run sound because, well, he knows how to do it. I didn't learn it from him, but I think it's in genetics because when I learned it, it was easier. So, oh, 
Yeah. Um, might be genetic or something. I don't know. But basically the, uh, <laughs> he would always like, we would sit by the fire and he would tell us stories or read us stories. And it would mm-hmm. be like, he would read like Shakespeare or Tolkien or whatever it was to us. And we would oh. listen stories from a young age about ourselves about our culture about the stories that mattered um to our family and family history whatever it is and we would be camping or whatever and we would hear these stories so this kind of that sounds magical yeah i remember we sit out by the stars and listen to stories about edward overtar and the and the ainu for example and he would just tell wow yeah so, so, so your dad was like super into Silmarillion Tolkien stuff. He liked Tolkien a lot. And we that's not the only other we we read a lot of fiction together actually, but I just mm-hmm. remember when he was telling us about the Silmarillion and I knew and we were out in the, in the middle of the woods. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I I imagine that there's probably going to be a special magic to reading and hearing those stories in that specific environment oh yeah it's beautiful like when you read a story in an environment that's like where you are in the book I think it's something really cool because it might not be that story I just am giving that example but it just it just creates um how to it just creates a world for the the audience too to explore mm-hmm. and, and imagination. And we didn't have, uh, when I was growing up, we were, we, my parents were very good about limiting media during the formative period. So mm-hmm. we, we were really like, we were really outdoors or doing like a lot of like analog things to learn about the world. And I appreciate that from them very much. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a rare experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like not that we didn't do no technology, like of course, but we did. They did take the this take it seriously to 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 grow and cultivate our analog skills and our imagination, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, one hundred percent. Places like this, back to the story. Places like this tell us a lot about. Uh, what is the the analog experience of storytelling and how it's so valuable and Mm -hmm. but you have to do it from like early on or it Mm -hmm. won't yeah um i think my mother was telling me I, I don't remember this. I was too young to remember this, but apparently my great grandmother would mm-hmm. cover her face in flour um, and like get into some, I don't know, costuming situation. Nice. And she would, yeah, <laughs> she would tell scary stories to the kids. Um, and uh, yeah, I was terrified, but. That was something that apparently happened. I guess like people have fun with it and do all sorts of silly, fun things to keep the kids engaged. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's like an art form. <laughs> sure. 
no, it flower is. on the face. Seriously, that is an art form because that takes time. That takes dedication to know what you're going to do, how you're going to tell the story. Like that's, that's actually art. That's like, that's, that's what's up, eh? So <laughs> props I have to, your, to tell my mom. Your, props to your great grandma. She was a talent, sounds like. <laughs> I guess so. I'm going to have to tell my mom. She always tells a story and like, you know, ha ha ha, how funny is this? I'm like, now I'll tell her. I'm like, mom, did you actually know that that is art? You just, you know, we, we, yeah. we didn't understand the art. You didn't understand it. You just thought it was funny, but she was being super creative. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Oh, no, I was scared. I was like two years old. I wasn't having it with with the flower face. <laughs> but maybe, you know, if I was older. If you were older, maybe you could appreciate it more. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I so think, I think also this so. also introduces the love of literature for kids because yes. literature at its heart is storytelling. Yes, exactly. Yes. And we're always telling stories, whether we know it or not, I think. 100%. Like, right now, let us take you on a journey as two <laughs> individuals on opposite sides of the globe coming together on a Saturday to share their histories and their stories. Mm-hmm. And we are taking One them on. Like, yeah. We're just podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the story of two people around the world working towards a goal called an anthology of stories from around the world. <laughs> we can start like that. One, one of our hosts is cloaked in darkness as nightfall covers the sky, Let's do it. while the other is greeted with kisses from the morning sun. <laughs> the the oh wait let's go let's do this let, let, we'll do a little quick one so this i'll just we can okay. describe your environment in a story so okay. we can say um all right let's see what's happening <laughs> we got it um evening breezes sweet caress the night sky with the skyline of of light blooming in the night the cars swish swish by with the beep beep and the of the track of the beat and road track as the as the inner city lake view takes on a hue children are sleeping now and the noise of the of the evening slowly turns into dark with only little bits of crickets in the night serenading the lovers as they walk along the oh what's the word in english as they walk along the pier almost said malecon as they walk along the pier <laughs> uh and uh what else can we say about this night i'll do i give a little more story to the night uh and the melodies of sweet kisses of the moon moonlight fade into the dusk something like this we could say <laughs> oh yeah 
Well, let's hear the morning story. Oh, I'm excited. And it can be, it so, can be. Though her small room smells of onion and garlic, surrounded by the cinder block of her recording room, quickly made, hastily made into a recording studio, just beyond, the sun reaches through the horizon. The city is still slumbering on this Saturday morning. The blooms are stretching out under the morning sun. The birds are chirping, and just beyond the haze, the tips of mountains appear. Though the city does slumber, the rest of nature awakens to greet the people as they wake during their Saturday morning routines. And from my recording studio, AKA the pantry filled with onion and garlic, I embark on a journey to share my personal family stories with my cohorts, experiencing the romance of the evening sky. Brava, bravissima. I like it. <laughs> sure. To mention my location is my actual studio. <laughs> oh well, that's fancy. Awesome. Yeah, you're, you're an actual professional with with an actual studio and and lovely views and everything. Listen, you also you can call your studio the pantry. I will call mine something. <laughs> The Cueva de Suspiros. We'll call it that. That'll be fun. The Cave of Whispers. Okay. Ooh. I like that. I'll call it that. That's that's poetic. Because when you're recording, you can't you can't talk very much, obviously. Or if you're or if you're mm-hmm. editing very much, but you're sharing secrets with the world through art. So we'll call it the Cueva de, de los Suspiros. Cave of Whispers. Yeah, it's good enough for me. Don't worry. Um, or you could call your you could call yours garlic. <laughs> nice. This bag Organ- of pasta will keep your secrets. <laughs> I like it. Organic. You could call it. You could call yours garlic. Although that's the name of a garlic. Restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> it's the name Listen, of a Turkish restaurant here, but you can call it garlic because I don't. I did not know that. See, yeah. I'm a big believer in garlic and onion. Can't have Listen, an amazing too. dish unless you have garlic and onions. I am I am in agreement with this. Yes. I'm also a fan of the uh, of things like oregano. Yes. Absolutely. All the aromatics. Yes. I'm always a fan of parsley, sage, rosemary, thyme, and not I mean not, not for the song, but for the taste, people. <laughs> I haven't cooked with sage before. Sage is lovely. Seems a little cook. intimidating, but it's fun. It? A little bit of it in places, it won't overwhelm you. Okay, I'll have to keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a garlic fiend. Like, if a recipe calls for like two cloves of garlic, I'm like, I'm gonna add three, <laughs> three. Try More like than... six. She's a garlic fan. 
Yes, especially when it comes to like hummus. Like when I see a hummus oh, recipe, listen, that, that needs garlic like crazy. If I see a recipe that for for hummus and it says like two cloves of garlic, I will immediately x out. I'm like, you sir, you know nothing about hummus, okay? <laughs> Two, two cloves don't like the garlic thing they don't like to have so garlicky breath but i say why don't you just use a palate cleanser like mint and then you will cancel that out yeah i mean at this point you know just don't eat the hummus true 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 this yeah. is one thing that i don't know if you if you've realized yet but um the world of hummus is a very is um <laughs> no it's not my specialty. specialty it's not my specialty but people get really fired up about it bring up dessert hummus to anybody and you're just asking for people yeah, to my. get ready for a fight yeah that's like us and bread that's like germans and really? bread brought Yes, we are yes. crazy. Like, so people were like, do you want some bread? And they give me this like white stuff. And I'm like, what are you, what are you crazy? Where, <laughs> where's your brain? Have you lost your brain and your mind? We don't do this. This is not bread. This is trash. And they're like, oh, but it's fine. I'm like, no, it's not fine. Give me something substantial. <laughs> I feel like a German's worst nightmare would be coming to America and like going into oh, a grocery store and finding their bread hard. there. Because you have to go to the, in US, you have to go to specialty bakeries to get any good bread. You can't oh, yeah. get or make your own. Like other than that, you're just in for, like I will eat like black bread, oat bread, uh, rye bread, uh, different really good bread for you. Not some rubbish yeah. bread. Like, I also like, uh, you know, the Iranian flatbreads, like the there's mm -hmm. like different breads that are actually bread. You don't give me some rubbish and call it bread. I was like one time I walked into a Lidl and I'm like, they have an amazing selection of bread there. Like, I want to buy one of everything. And that's Lidl. Like, it's not like a specialty bakery or anything. Yeah, there are um, some yeah, good, the, good bakeries that are local. Yeah. The, wow. the bread game in the U.S. is sadly very, very, very weak. I don't know what happened to them. Might have been the Great Depression, but I think they used to have good bread. So this is an example of where I get very on a stick. So during the pandemic, when we didn't have, we couldn't go anywhere. So we were in the lockdown and post-lockdown when things were shipping, where it's very hard. So during mm -hmm. this time, we would we would order I would order bread from my Iranian Swedish friend and my Austrian friend and just ship it to me. <laughs> That's so funny you mentioned that because I think when the pandemic first started, didn't people really get into bread making? Like they started making sourdough and a lot and of people got bread making. Yeah, you couldn't but find any yeast them. in stores. I just got them to send me stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like you send these things to me please so i got my wine sent to me different things and then i just was like after the pandemic i was like perfect i have my suppliers we'd like to thank you for joining us for today's episode this episode was produced by alma pictures and baker street join us next week for the next episode of our podcast 
Thank you. Merci. Gracias. Gracias. Danke. And have a great week. 